Welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch, the show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And is that George R. R. Martin's theme music? Because we're returning to the land of mm. Westeros. Mm. The House of the Dragon is coming out this Sunday on HBO, the Game of Thrones prequel. And David and I are going to talk about some expectations for that and also give some rankings of, I would say, probably in the top five for both of us for favorite TV shows ever. So we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones. We're going to even be ranking the seasons uh, and talking about how much that show means to us. I'm excited for this. I'm sure David's also excited for this. So let's just jump into it. of the dragon the prequel series set 200 years before the events of game of thrones it is solely focused on the targaryen family the family known for having pale skin and blonde hair and having dragons and then going a little bit crazy with those dragons uh david what have you heard if anything about this prequel show dude i low-key just don't know much um i do know one thing which gives me hope that George R. R. Martin is involved in the making and the creation of this TV show. Uh, it's based, let's see, uh, it is based on one of his series, Fire and Blood, uh, which set, takes place 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones um, and obviously kind of focuses on House Targaryen. So that's that's cool. Targaryens are pretty uh, freaky, pretty cool. Um, and yeah, again, like based on him, his books, and we saw in the first five seasons were based – uh, Game of Thrones first five seasons were based on his books and they were very high quality TV. Uh, and when we kind of saw what happened afterwards. Um, so that's, that's all I know. And that kind of gives me hope. I don't know. What do you think? Do you know more than me? You probably do. You've paid a lot more attention. I think to this, to this series. Um, and... So, so I've been doing a little bit of research, really just looking at the cast and, and stuff and stuff that George has said. Um, and yeah, I, I think I'm also excited for this. Now, this is not the first attempt for HBO at a Game of Thrones prequel. They actually filmed a pilot for a prequel on the Children of the Forest, um, which if you've seen Game of Thrones, you know that those are the magical beings that created the White Walkers, essentially, and also created men, I believe, in the universe, if I'm correct. Um, and and apparently that was so bad that they scrapped the pilot that they thought it was terrible. And obviously they don't think that of this show. Um, yeah, I think you have... You have George R. R. Martin. Uh, Martin has done some press events on this. Uh, a lot of them have been focused on when he's actually going to finish the freaking series of books so we know what his ending was going to be. Of course, he hasn't actually done that and said that there's no timetable for when he's going to write the last book. He's never going to write it, guys. So the ending no. that you got on TV is the ending of the series. Sorry. Um, but he said that there he said that there is no Arya Stark in this series, meaning that there's not really a character that everybody is going to get behind and love. So it kind of sounds like, you know, Game of Thrones is known. Obviously, this world is known for having messy characters, characters with sketchy motivations, with bad pasts. Um, a lot of redemption arcs happened in Game of Thrones. People that we hated in the first season, we ended up loving at the end of the show. Some people did some pretty heinous crimes. It sounds like there's not really going to be that many just inherently great, good characters. Everybody's going to be a little bit shady. Everybody's going to be a little bit sketchy, which I'm kind of excited for. I, I think Game of Thrones did that better than almost anybody else, almost any other show. Um, and... And I'm I'm excited that George R. R. Martin's involved. Now he wasn't involved with anything past season four, I believe, with the original show. Oh, um, it was four, obviously, not five. okay. Obviously, five and six were still going off of his books. Um, I believe that some point in season seven is when they do the crossover, and there is no more books to kind of base this off of, and they're going entirely on just a new story. However, with this prequel. Like you said, it's based on a book series that he's already written tied into the Game of Thrones novels and the anthology series. And there's clearly a set in because it's 200 years, so they have to set up at least in some way the events before we get to the events of Game of Thrones itself. So I think that helps almost. I don't like dampening creative freedom, but there's less of a chance they can screw this up, if that makes sense, storyline-wise. Yeah. Now, obviously, yeah. execution can vary, but I, I'm really excited for this. This is my second most anticipated show of this year. Hmm. Um, what was so first? I'm really looking forward to it. Rings of Power. I mean, the return yeah, to... I forgot about that one. That's on me. 
The Return to Middle Earth is something I've been anticipating a long time. But if I'm being honest, I expect this show to be better. Um, Mm. I love the Lord of the Rings books and the the movies, obviously, more than I love Game of Thrones. It's my favorite pop culture series of all time, essentially. Maybe Star Wars is just above that, but I don't know. It flip-flops every day. But I'm more excited for that. But I think that the HBO, the pedigree, this has a higher chance of being good. Yeah. It is crazy. Real quick, this is kind of off topic. The fact that Rings of Power has like $200 million of budget per episode, $200 million per episode. Most yeah, Marvel is, movies have that much for the entire movie. That's insane. That's kind of off topic the, though. Sorry. I will say that um, the Rings of Power has a very, very high bar to meet. Um, there's a lot of expectation. A lot of people have already prepared themselves to hate the show because they can, they're saying it's disrespecting Tolkien's source material. Um, it's not directly based off of any uh, of the books, but it's kind of based off some of the unfinished tales and obviously takes characters from Lord of the Rings. But to those people, I would say, first of all, the Tolkien estate does not like the Lord of the Rings movies either um, because there's no way to adapt his re- his writing. It just doesn't. Yeah. Um, so, and, and second, you watch it first and give it a chance. And if it sucks and you don't like it, it sucks and you don't like it. And I'm sorry, but you always have the movies. With this... I think people are so excited about House of Dragon, uh, at least I am, because Game of Thrones kind of left a bad taste in our mouth. David, would you agree with that? Yeah. I don't think for me it left as bad a taste as you guys and other people, but yeah, I was still like, bruh, really? Are you kidding me? You know. So I think this return is a chance for our last moments in Westeros to not be kind of something disappointing, that, that we get more content that we're we're not upset about um and before we get into ranking the seasons david i just want to talk about the cultural impact of game of thrones first and how it's kind of shrank recently i didn't put this on the outline but i'm just going to go through it real quick game of thrones was the most popular piece of media outside of the marvel cinematic universe on the planet when the show was running there was no argument for from 2011 until 2019 when the show ended that was it there was everything you know that every every week there was an episode that was all twitter was focused on for however it was going up against nfl football and still doing amazing ratings on a paid cable channel you know it captured the cultural consciousness in a way that i don't think any show has really done since there are shows like Breaking Bad that have come out, The Sopranos, but none of them, I think, reached the heights of Game of Thrones. Everybody was talking about it. Um, and, and it kind of faded because of the ending uh, in a lot of ways. And I think it's really cool to see them return to this world and see if they can get the attention. You know, will House of the House of the Dragon will come out when there's not primetime NFL football against it. The first episode will be airing during a preseason weekend, you know? And I'm wondering... Does this show have staying power? If this first episode, if this pilot's really good, are are we getting are we in for another wave of, oh my gosh? Because they could make this this series, you know, at least five or six seasons if they wanted to. Obviously, they have one completely filmed. I'm assuming are probably planning on a second already. But this could be another show. This could be the Westeros Better Call Saul, if you will a prequel that in some ways even exceeds the original. So I'm just really hyped. David, just give me a quick reaction. How are you feeling about more Game of Thrones content? I, I think I'm down for it. I uh, I think and I hope it'll be really good. Obviously, everybody, that's that's the expectation. Um, I, I was looking at something. Uh, the finale, uh, season eight premiere, uh, had 17.1 million viewers. Sunday night, the premiere that... Uh, uh, came out and it set a, a ratings uh, record. Uh, so that's just insane. I know I mentioned you talked about that real quick. Like have almost you know over 17 million people watching that. That's pretty insane. That's that's on par. Uh, NBA Finals Game One of that year had 17.7. World Series Game Five had 17.9. So you were right. It like it, it, it met it met expectations as far as uh, viewers. Um, and it did die a little bit. Uh, so to answer your question, I'm pumped, but to kind of ask you one, do you think we're going to get that 17 million, million you know, viewership record here, or do you think it'll be pretty small 
what what would be a show that kind of catches as it goes if it's good you know i think that this show is at a couple of disadvantages now with the current cultural landscape um the first is that a lot of these ips are just pumping out content on tv uh, there's an Andor show coming up in September. I already mentioned the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power show coming up as well. She-Hulk is debuting in about, what, seven hours from when we're recording this right now. Um, so I think that it will be hurt by that. But I think that if it is good, then the word of mouth can really propel this show. Because I think this is a kind of show that obviously there was a big desire for and nothing has really been able to fill that gap you know the witcher has kind of tried there have been some other netflix shows like the last kingdom vikings for some people filled the gap a little bit with a lack of game of thrones but there's nothing quite like it and if they make it in a similar style of game of thrones um and a similar storyline is in you can't predict what's going to happen next you know uh, you don't know who's going to live and who's going to die. The kind of pandemonium that captured, especially the first four seasons of Game of Thrones. Then, I, I, yeah, I think they have a chance to have something real special and something that captures the cultural consciousness. I think a lot of ways we're way more immediate now with, you know, if you think about it, Stranger Things finale came out around a month and a half ago. Is anybody really still having Stranger Things conversations? No. No, that's a, that's a show that everybody watched at once. We all talked about it for a week, and a week later it died down. But a show like yeah. this that's going to be released weekly on HBO I think has a chance to, to capture everybody again. And, and it's got publicized as George R. R. Martin's involved, and I think people are thirsty for yeah. good a good Game of Thrones-type show, and this could be that. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm also like looking at kind of the cast – I'm pretty hopeful uh, seeing seeing some of these actors on here. Um, I don't. I'm kind of you know obviously you want to see them, but I'm kind of liking the casting uh, in in some of these actors. So I'm also really excited for that. Um, you know sometimes I love when shows don't cast the big dogs. They don't cast these main um, actors in in the spotlight. You know and, and and some of these Matt Smith, some of these guys, uh, and some of these women are. But I just love that they're all kind of, I, I would say second tier actors and actresses, still good, but not like your your very, very popular ones. And I'm excited what they can do with the show. Yeah, people forget that Game of Thrones created stars. I mean, with the exception of Sean Bean, really, um, Lena Headey was obviously a, a pretty big star at the time too. And she took it, she had, she had been in other movies previously, mainstream audiences knew her, but most of the cast was unknown to everyone. You know, and, and they kind of struck gold, especially with the casting of characters like Arya and Sansa and John. you know, these young actors that would then become way more important in the culture. Some of them haven't gone on to really do anything since, but they made stars out of them. That's what good TV shows do. And this TV show, uh, you know, outside of, of guys like Matt Smith, uh, Patty Considine is somebody I recognize who has been in some stuff. Um, but there's not like a lot of mainstream talent. I wouldn't even say, I'd say Matt Smith is easily the biggest name attached to this yeah. show. Um, and there's some character actors that people will recognize. But like you said, it, they're casting some some actors that are unknown to the majority of audiences. And I think that, that will help them. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's take a, a, a quick break. And then let's just get into ranking of the seasons of Game of Thrones. So we'll be back right after this. All right, David, one more quick thing before we go through and rank all eight seasons of the wonderful world of Westeros. Tell me, how did you get into Game of Thrones? And what does the show mean to you? So I got into it, obviously, I mean, you previously talked about its popularity and it's just the, the fandom, the starstruck fandom with this show. So honestly, ever since I can remember, I've heard people talk about Game of Thrones. Oh, the episode's coming out. Oh, did you see this, that? Uh, and for the longest time, I didn't know what they were talking about. And as I got older, kind of began to grow an understanding, but still just didn't have a uh, really a desire to watch it. Um, it wasn't until freshman year, lovely roommate, Zachary Clucky, shout out. Um, 
he uh, owned actually all seven seasons on Blu-ray and, um, you know, was, was a big fan. And I believe he got you hooked first. You guys kind of started to watch it. Um, and then I, through my stubbornness, I was like, I just don't really want to watch it. And um, I, I gave in. I decided to watch it. It uh, didn't quite catch up with you guys. Uh, I got pretty close. And then we um, all watched the, you know, season eight finale together. And I think I think you had just watched it a month before. I mean, it hadn't been that long, mm-hmm. but in our new house together, we watched it together. Midnight, it was pitch black, right? Um, and uh, so that that's that's how I got into it uh, with you guys actually. And um, what does it mean to me? I, I I don't really know if I have that answer. I do know that you you mentioned like yeah, top five TV show I've ever seen. Um, just with the control it had on my emotions and my attention, attention and all that, you know, and along with the, the impressive CGI and the, the acting, the script, um, man, this, the consistency in the show for 80% of it. So I, I don't know if I have the answer to what does it mean, but I do know that this is just a very good show and with some just really powerful moments and, you know, some scenes of, of this, of this show. Uh, shows entirety that like will give you chills will get you upset just thinking about it like man it it has control over you because it was just so good and in, in doing that um uh so yeah do, do you how did you get into it first of all but also like do you have that answer to what does it mean to you um i think i kind of do uh how i got into it so i actually i saw the first season back in like 2015 i think um my parents had I think been gifted uh, the DVD set of the first two seasons from my grandfather. And I watched the first season. And at that time, I was also reading the books. Um, I have read the first two books. Um, and when it was announced, when George R. R. Martin wouldn't finish it, I have this thing where I normally don't read book series that aren't completed because I don't do the thing where I wait. I can't, uh, with, with shows and with movies, I can wait a year and remember what happened. But for some reason with books, I can't. So if the, if the book series isn't completed and I was kind of getting a little drained and I was in high school and not focused enough. So, but I, I had always had an interest in watching Game of Thrones, but we didn't have HBO. I didn't have any way to watch it. Um, and then we got to college and Zach was kind enough to share his HBO login with me. And I think yeah. I watched, um, so I watched seasons two through seven. When I started watching the show, the episode of the long night had just aired, which is, I believe, I would have to look this up, but I think it's episode three or four of season eight. Um, let me let me double check that. Because um, didn't we didn't you start watching this during spring break, right? We all went home and had a whole entire week uh, to ourselves, and that's when you and I kind of started to binge it, right? Uh, I I it was around that time. I know that Zach. So episode three of season eight that Zach had was talking about it. And I was like, don't spoil this for me. And he's like, you don't even watch the show. And I said, I'm, I plan on it. Like, give me your login. I'm going to get caught up. <laughs> so between, between episode three and the finale of season eight, I caught all the way up. I watched seasons two through seven and watched season, the series finale live with everybody else um, wow. at the same exact time which was absolutely insane, something I don't recommend. I believe when the timing was right before we were about to go to Jack's. Um, and that's why I had like that's three right. free weeks where I was just working and doing nothing else. Um, for the Jack's was a summer program that David and I both went to through our campus ministry, the Navigators at Northwest Missouri State. Um, and, and I had nothing to do. So I had just watched and watched and watched Game of Thrones. I piled through probably four or five episodes a night at least um, and, and got there. Uh, and That's what right. Show- it wasn't spring break. Yeah, because we had more time than that. And I remember doing the same thing. I just I just, I just just couldn't watch it. Because we would text each other did. and I would ask. I remember you texting me before like the Red Wedding. And we're like, I'm bad on the season three finale. And I was like, oh, God. And then you texted yeah. me. And you, were, you were pissed. Um, but yeah, and. And I think, first of all, yeah, we both have to credit Zach for for allowing us to kind of get into this fandom. But I I think what the show means to me is it's one of the best created worlds in all of fiction um, Mm. in terms of what the show could do. It made Westeros a place that you wanted to visit every week for an hour, but never actually wanted to inhabit because it's a terrifying and awful 
muddy, mucky place full of mm-hmm. violence and hatred. But the rays of hope that would peak in the episodes would just sustain you. When it seems like all hope was lost, especially at some of the season finales and when some of your favorite characters would die and you're like, I don't want to continue this crap. They would just hook you with a little ray of hope and keep you, keep yep. you in, keep you going. And, and I just love that. Um, and I think that the show was so well acted. The cinematography was great. The storylines were so expansive. You know, you're focusing on eight, nine characters at a time. You got different stories. You, If you're tired of a character arc, don't worry, because in 12 minutes, you're going to be focused on a completely different person and... I think that the show just did such a good job of building on itself. And I know that everybody hates season eight and I don't love the ending either. But for me, when I look back on it, even though I didn't love the way that the show ended, I still love all of the things that the show gave me in terms of entertainment. And I'll I'll never, it created some of my favorite characters. Arya Stark is one of my 10 favorite characters in in TV history, in in movie history, in pop culture history. You know, and the show gave me that. And I don't know, I I can hate it all I want, but I'm always going to have a special place in my heart. And I think that was echoed by both of us and Zach, you know, our last kind of hurrah in Maryville together. What did we do? We hung out until the break of dawn, essentially. We played Fortnite. And what did we watch? We watched Game of Thrones episodes. Favorite episodes, yeah. We watched our favorite episodes of Game of Thrones. Um. So yeah, I'm always going to cherish it because of the bond that we share with it together, but also just because it's one of the best TV shows ever made. That's a good point. What you meant. I I apologize for actually just like forgetting that there is a kind of weird, cool connection between the three of us just through this show. So almost like every time we watch it, we'll be like, yeah, wonder how they're doing. You know, hopefully it's more than that. Hopefully we know how we're doing. We don't just (laughs) stop talking to each other. Um, That's true. But no, that that was really good points, Nathan. That was, I like that a lot, but should we should we clarify before we get into this? If people haven't seen Game of Thrones and they're planning to, should they not listen to this? Yeah. Are we gonna get um, detailed? If you haven't, I, I and you're worried about spoilers, you're not a person that would watch a show if if some major plot points were spoiled. I think there's no way for us to really describe why we love some seasons without spoiling the seasons. Um, so we're going to talk about every season. So if you have not watched Game of Thrones and plan to, or you're a person that I told you need to watch Game of Thrones and you just haven't started it yet, I would dip out unless you're a person that can handle spoilers and will still be entertained. But a lot of Game of Thrones is predicated on shock value. Um, and the show doesn't fall apart when you don't have that, but I will tell you that it's like not watching Top Gun Maverick in theaters, you know, you're still going to have a good time, but I guarantee it's not as great as if you would have resisted. So, um, I, I will say that warning ahead of time, knowing full well most of you will ignore it. Uh, hey, David, I, I will say this: I don't know how I went my entire time without getting Game of Thrones spoiled at all. I remember you guys being blown away, but like I knew nothing. And like, despite not getting off Twitter or you know watching yeah. it late, I I didn't get it spoiled for me at all. So kind of lucked yeah, out I, there. I knew a lot of the stuff that was going to happen, obviously from reading the books. So that was when the shot came to me. But like the fact that you had been able to avoid even the most <laughs> basic spoilers for the show, I have no idea. So so with that, if you plan on watching this show anytime in the future and do not want to the show's plot major plot points to be spoiled for you, please dip out of the episode at this time and return when you've watched however many hours of television this is. Like... I don't know, 75, uh, 80 hours of TV. So, yeah. so return when you've done that. But all right, David, let's let's go from worst to first. I think that that's the best method, obviously. And let's just both talk about the worst season. Yeah. Because we know okay. which one it is. And it season is season eight. eight. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, a shortened season of Game of Thrones, obviously. Uh, both seven and eight are not the normal 10 episodes. Uh, and eight is the one that everybody's disappointed by. This is why I'm telling you to dip out because of spoilers. So in season eight, the long night is supposed to be the big epic battle between the humans and the white walkers that's been building for this entire show. And it's dark. We can't see what's going on most of the time. It's not well lit. Um, I, they probably did that because of CGI budget reasons, I would assume, because it's easier to, you know, digitally create a zombie army in the dark. Um, but some other stuff, you know, Danny, Daenerys Targaryen, the person we've been following from the beginning of the show, we wanted to be the queen. 
who has kind of shown cracks of of being a little bit of a tyrant, but has always been pulled back around, went completely rogue and started murdering civilians yeah. in, in the last two episodes of the show um, and ended up being killed by Jon Snow. And then her dragon just flies off into the distance after burning the Iron Throne with his breath. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I will say that the shot of Danny walking, um, I think it's the burned out. I don't, I don't know if it's the, it's the castle specifically or, or something, but she, she's walking um, and the dragon's wings kind of flame up behind her. Mm. So it looks like that she has wings. That's one of the cool shots of the show. That was really cool. Um, But other than that, not great. And then Bran, the person who I don't think anybody wanted to be king, became king in the end. Um, and yeah. On the Iron Throne. Yeah. David, anything else that you want to say about, about season eight? Not a whole lot. I, I think for me, honestly, what, see, episodes one through three, I think were fine for me. I think it's just four, five, and six. Also, Maybe not. It's not season eight's fault. Like it's season eight's an animate object. It's not. Like <laughs> there's just less episodes, which obviously kind of lessens the the rank. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think again, Bron. I think that was like a why, why is he king? I I think I see, I see why they had Daenerys do what she did, because like like the whole show that that's kind of what they're saying is like Targaryens are always people don't change. Targaryens are Targaryens. And I think they followed through on that. Um, I'm not saying I loved it, but I do see what they were doing with that. But with the whole Bronn thing, it's like, what? Give it to Jon. Why didn't didn't Arya kill the Night King? Uh, I mean, sorry, why didn't Jon kill the Night King? And why did Uh, Arya do it? Even though that was a really cool moment. But yeah, it It looks sick. Well, and Arya didn't kill Cersei, the person who she's been wanting to kill the entire show, essentially. Didn't didn't kill Cersei. The only real moment of catharsis, the only arc that I think ended well was the Hounds. Killed his evil brother, who he hated, mm-hmm. who burned him, gave him the ugly disfigurement that he had to walk around with. The mountain. He ends up killing the mountain, you know, yeah. and himself, sacrificing himself, but pretty much tackling the mountain, killing him. That was like the best arc in the show, which is great because I love the Hound, but that's not the person we need to have the best arc. Yeah, he's yeah. not one of the main main characters. Um, yeah, and a lot of things didn't make sense. John just goes north of the wall, the unsullied go back across the sea. Uh, Bran is king. Uh, Brom is the ma- maester of coin. There's just, yeah, there's just a lot of, a lot of well, stuff. It felt like they, they also, I would say flipped the way the show should have played out. The white Walker should have been the end. Hmm. You know, Cersei should have been dealt with first in terms of what the white walkers were the first moments of the TV show. That's the first villain you ever see is a white the walker. The very first thing, yeah. That should have been the end. You should have had the Night King be the final because it feels like once they conquer the Night King, the rest of eight, season eight is like, well, they already overcame the worst of it. It's like the, if they Avengers defeated Thanos and then they were like, hey, Loki's trying to take over New York at the end of the endgame. We should probably go deal with it. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I felt that way. Like four, five, and six, I was kind of like a – it was like a gray, like dull of like, what? Like we've already seen this. I, I will say, I, I think what made this show so great is what caused it to fall so quick. Because like you said, this show predicated on the shock value, the wow value. And I think the directors tried to do that with season eight and it ended up being too much. Oh, we're going to yeah. twist it right with who's going to kill the Night King. We're going to twist it with who takes the throne. It ended up being too much. I just finished uh, Peaky Blinders. And without spoiling anything, it ended how I thought it would end, and I, it ended how I wanted to, wanted it to end. And I was I was satisfied, right? Thomas mm-hmm. Shelby knows, and it ended how I was hoping it would. And like sometimes that's okay. And I think, yeah, I think they just tried to do too much and be too. Oh my gosh, that blew my mind. And yeah, I think it's it's what we got. So mm-hmm. yeah, eight eight is on the list for sure. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see if we have the same thing in, in second to last place. Um, I would assume we probably do. Uh, I have season seven here in seventh place. Yeah, I think that's where I'm going to. Okay. Um, another shortened season, obviously. This is, uh, like I said, where they kind of started to go away from the books um, and, and create their own story. Season seven felt like a lot of nothing for most of it. 
um, that there wasn't a whole lot of movement happening. You have the arc at the end where they cross the wall to go capture the White Walker to then prove to Cersei that the White Walkers are a threat and they all need to band together to stop the White Walkers. Cersei ends up betraying them because of course she does because Cersei is a conniving snake of a leader who is insanely smart but also insanely terrible. Um, but season seven specifically for me felt like a show that was predicated upon, oh my God, look, they're reuniting. Oh my God, look, they're reuniting. Oh my God, look, they're reuniting. Oh, it's so cool to see all these characters interact with each yeah. other, which yeah, it's fun when you first see it. You're like, oh my God, like Arya and Sansa are talking. They haven't seen each other since season one. This is so cool. And once that wears off, you're like, okay, there's no story here. The story is they're yeah. reunited. I will and say John too, and Danny get together and then figure out that they're related. But hey, man. Never mind. Um, I will say, Daenerys does spend the first six seasons trying to get to Westeros. And then I feel like in this season, she's like, oh, I'm going to go back real quick. And I'm back already. Like, the whole six seasons, you, you know, you take trying to get to a place. And then that season seven, she, like, goes back and then is boom, right back. It's like she almost, like, defied like time or i don't know well she got there too quickly it felt like because then when she got there it was like going to be this huge deal and it felt like they were like she's here too soon we don't have anything for her to do Mm. um i I think it's better than eight just because it doesn't give the disappointment the the episode with the white walkers at the end is cool but makes no sense their strategy is kind of dumb um Mm. but then you get the awesome shot of the the dragon that has been turned the one, so the Night King, yeah. the Night King launches a spear better than any quarterback has ever thrown anything in the history mm. of ever. Just launches it like a mile and a half and hits a dragon, kills one of Daenerys's dragons, and then drags this dragon out of the giant pool of water that it is frozen lake that it has fallen into, and it is now a zombie dragon that spits blue fire. That was lit. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. it, they really did a good job of showcasing the Night King's power in this season, but again, yeah, some disappointments for me. So yeah, a couple like seeing Littlefinger die was obviously satisfying, and then like uh, that that spoils of war episode and that specific like attack was pretty cool. So there were there were some really cool moments, but yeah, again, shortened season, and again, it kind of did, did it almost seem like a filler season for you to get to where they wanted season yeah. eight to be. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely felt that way for me. Um, that's why I would have packed the the Cersei confrontation, maybe maybe lengthen this season to ten episodes, put the Cersei confrontation in this season, then had eight just be focused completely on the White Walkers. Mm. Um, White Walkers are so I, cool. Like those I are don't like make, one of those. I don't make the decision. So those are one of the villains. Like you kind of want to be on their side because they're so cool, but you know you shouldn't be on their side, kind of thing. Yeah, because they're just an unstopping, unthinking mass of just focused on destruction. Looks so. so cool too. All right, I think this is where we're gonna start to differ. Um, David, what do you have in sixth place here? I think I'm. I think I'm. I'm gonna go with season five. Oh my gosh! Same season. Look at us again. Bro, let's go. Next step. Yes. Okay. Bro. Why are you putting season five here? I think, okay, I, I remember talking to you about this because this is when like Cersei's like brutally like tortured, not physically, but just in the sense of being uh, punished. Well, she is for, physically tortured, but yes. Well, that that too, yeah. Mar- uh, Marion, right? Marine, how do you say her name? I don't remember. Ugh, my gosh, so many characters in my brain. I'll look it up. Go, keep Sorry, talking. no, that's 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 a town. That's um, but yeah, I think like in that moment, I remember talking to you like, good. I love that Cersei's just in the most pain. Looking back though. It's like, that's just a lot tough. of it. It's, it tough. it's tough to watch. And also, they just spent so much time on that. And maybe they did that because they knew, they knew that she's the most hated. So they're giving her as much screen time mm-hmm. as they could to, to see people, to see her Absolutely. You know, suffer. But looking back, it's like, wow, we just spent a lot of time on making her life just a living hell. Um, whether that's good or not, I don't know yet. I think I'm still trying to figure out some of the show. Uh, I think it. But... I think that you're right, and that this season, in many respects, may be the most difficult to watch outside of season one in terms of like bleakness, um, because like this is the season where Sansa gets taken to the Boltons, um, which is an Ooh. awful like. Mm. It's it's an arc that really really kind of strengthens Sansa as a character, but it's an awful awful thing to have to watch and. Yeah for me boosted Ramsey Bolton ahead of Joffrey is person I want to see die the most 
on screen. Yeah. Um, and you also have the White Walkers beginning to take over. Um, and, and I believe I'm correct. This is the season where John gets killed and resurrected. And then this is also the season where Stannis sacrifices his daughter and then uh, gets obliterated by the Boltons. Um, I I don't I just there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening. Um, I, I will say though I think you, you I think you might agree with this this our our, our sixth rating at season five and on. I think from here These on are all out, good. We, These are yeah, all we really good, seasons. excellent yeah. seasons of TV. It's just I think yeah. the other ones are better. This is also yeah. the season where um, Tyrion. It, this this is the one where Tyrion meets uh, up with um, Daenerys, I believe, as well. Um, yes, this is the one where Tyrion escapes Westeros and meet and meets up with Daenerys, which I like that arc. I really like mm-hmm. Tyrion and Daenerys together. I think that that's they're characters that play well off each other so yeah like like yeah it's ranked number six but i I agree it's very very good tv we get the battle of hard home and which is excellent oh my goodness and yeah john dies which that pulls you in more right there's another moment of game of thrones and emotionally having control over you because you're like what the frick now i have to watch this to figure out what happens and you know it it honestly it's important i think because it season five ultimately like i think makes Game of Thrones kind of take a step up. Like the escalation and the intensity of the show, the, it just completely rises, I think, after season five because of all, again, some tough-to-watch scenes, some important plot developments. So while it is six, this was a this was a good season of TV. Yeah, I, I, would, I would echo, reinforce what David said in that seasons seven and eight are far below all the other seasons on a ranking. And these are all like up close right at the top you know season five being the our least favorite of the first six does not make season five a bad season of television actually season five is a better season of television than i would say 99 percent of all television ever created Mm. maybe even more so yeah i i I would just say that so people don't think we're just trashing this whole show but you got to rank something something's got to be something's got to be behind something else david what do you have in fifth place i think for me Fifth, fourth, and third place are tough. Because I think one and second, first and second, for me, I know what's first and second. I think these next three are tough. Um, actually, would, do you want to go here? Because I honestly still am not sure I know what what I want to put at fifth place. This is tough. Because, again, like, we go. like it. We'll all like this really from here on out each season, so it's tough. I'm going to go season one here. Um, and, and really for a simple reason of the show was still getting its legs and some of the actors were still developing, uh, season one is obviously what sets up pretty much every single arc that's going to play out. Um, and you can tell it throughout season one, but there's, again, uh, we've talked about this privately. Um, I'm saying that like, it's a secret. It's not, but (laughs) the earlier seasons of game of Thrones, they are injecting a lot of sex and a lot of nudity sometimes it seems unnecessarily into the plot in order to, I think, keep people who may not be interested in the show itself or may not usually like a fantasy show. It's something that seems to be very common with these more adult shows is that they will put more sex and nudity in the first seasons to try to hook viewers and then will tail it off at the end. And I think one does a lot of this. But that's not even the reason. I think that this is just the season that is not fun. It's very good. It's very good. But there's many episodes. And this one ends on a on a downer in many ways for me. And this is just not a fun season. Yeah. Um, but it's a very good season. I don't I don't say that to scare people off because season one is absolutely crucial. It sets up pretty much all of the plot of the rest of the show. Yeah. But I I I think that I didn't absolutely love it compared to some of the other seasons. I think it's still really, really, really good and probably one of the best first seasons ever of a TV mm-hmm. show. But for me, the show just kind of really matured in the middle um, in terms of acting and also budget because obviously season one doesn't have near as high of a budget because they don't know how successful the show is going to be. Yeah. Um, so as the budget gets better, CGI gets better, and they have more money to spend on more elaborate set pieces. So yeah. that's why for me. I think I think I'll agree with you for one reason that I'll get to in my next 
uh, season that's ranked. But yeah, I think uh, season one, I'll, I'll put uh, at fifth as well. Uh, you're right, right? Less budget. Um, so things naturally just don't look as good. They got to set stuff up. They got to introduce these characters. I do remember actually now that I'm talking about it more with season one, I was I had a headache, man. I was like, there's so many characters. I don't know where they're at or what this place is. Uh, I remember even asking you guys, and Zach's like, dude, just keep watching. Trust me. You have to power through. You get the hang of it. So I, I do remember that. I think that kind of solidifies season one at five for me because it was like, man, I'm exhausted because there's just so much happening, so much they got to introduce to me. Yeah, season one, you almost have to have your phone out, and you're like looking like, who is that again? Like mm-hmm. uh, looking for the characters, making sure, because they introduce so many characters, obviously, and the show seems so massive and expansive that you're like, I'm never going to be able to keep track of all these people, but you will. It's, yeah. it's very easy once it moves on. Also, I like remember just being so upset that Ned Stark dies, and looking back, yeah. I just had I just had no idea that that. I mean, that was still a tough one to watch, but that's that was like, the thing I, I can't believe didn't get spoiled for you because yeah. I thought everybody and their mother knew that Ned Stark dies at the end of the first season, um, which it was it honestly may color my expectations for this season because it made it tougher um, to get through because I knew like this character that they're really spending a lot of time with at the beginning is one that's going to be dead at the end of the season. Like I knew that mm-hmm. was going to happen. Um, but yeah, I think this is the one that oddly most devoid of like light moments because it's setting up all the terribleness, which doesn't make it awful, but it makes it more difficult to get through than I think the other seasons do. Mm. So. Yeah, no, that's good. All right, you hinted at your next pick. David, what yeah. is it? I think it's going to be season two. Um, season two really uh, just <laughs> really just gets going, uh, especially like we talked about season one catching, catching traction. And yeah, man, we, we meet a lot of characters, Stannis or Davos, Melisandre, Brienne, Marjorie, all of these people. And uh, yeah, and of course, man, dude. Don't even get me started with this fight, this this battle uh, of Blackwater. I tell you what, that episode is so good. Honestly, I think for me, this for me, number the rankings of number four and three are so close. Be- simply because mm-hmm. not, I mean, season two is good, but Blackwater episode nine is just so good. That's it so almost good. it almost put it in the three spot for me. It was, but, I think, uh, easily yeah. the best episode of the show up to that point. Like Blackwater was far and away the best episode that they had had so far. Um, yeah, it's just. Really, I will say really something. Good. Something that hurts kind of season two, just because it's weird, dude. What's up with this? You know, what's up with the Red Woman giving birth to a, a shadow baby? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that part's a little uh, strange. There's a lot uh, of weird. Melisandre, just every time Melisandre's in the show, you're like, what the heck? Yeah. What is this lady doing? Um, I I will go ahead and I guess spoil where I have season two. Um. Because mine's uh, season two is in in third place for me, um, I, and it was really tough. Almost cracked. Almost was second. Um, mm. I I really enjoy this season. A lot of it is probably colored by the Blackwater, but we get the one of the most fun dynamics I think is the Brienne uh, Jamie dynamic that happens throughout this season. This That's is right. also the season where Daenerys um, is recoiling from that loss and has the the dragons and kind of comes into her own. And this is the great villain season of Joffrey because it's the beginning of Joffrey's reign as mm. King and is like, he's just an evil little bastard. Yeah. And you hate him. And you also get Arya kind of escaping and trying to figure out what she wants to do. And this is when she makes the list. Mm. Um, and, Dude, and I forgot about that. Who, who she wants to kill. Uh, and, and that's one of the best best highlights of the show. And this is also a Tyrion-centric season in many ways. This is one of the seasons that focuses on Tyrion the most. And he's one of my favorite characters. Um, he's great. on a person, so quite honestly, would have been not my number one overall pick for a person who should have been king at the end of the show. Um, uh, Tyrion is just there for me. He's great. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, that's why I'm putting that at third. So you have, you have season two at four. Um, and I have it at three. I'm assuming that we both then have season three next up to talk about, correct? Correct. Yeah, season three for me is third. And it is fourth for me. David, why do you have season three in the bronze medal position? Dude, I, you would think that my reasoning for this would be a positive note, but it's actually the reason it's three is because of the Red Wedding. That thing, that might be the hardest 
episode of TV that I've ever had to watch. Right? It is, is, that, so, is, that... it is so unbelievably difficult um, to get through. And it's, it's the I think it's the TV show that the episode of TV that evoked the most emotion out of me mm-hmm. ever. Like I've never felt so angry and upset at a at a scene essentially than I have during that. Oh, it's it's tough. It really is. Yeah, I mean, and other reasons too. Like, I, if if I'm remembering, like season three, like really focuses on Jamie. Like this is when Jamie gets his big kind of character development. Um, and uh, again, you mentioned season two with him and Jamie, him and Brianne. I think, isn't this where he can kind of confesses his love for her? Isn't it season three? Uh, I don't. I, yes, kind of. It's definitely yes. They they begin to do something of of that nature as well. And yeah. uh, and so that's also kind of a, a cool thing. So so yeah, Danny uh, also acquired you know, acquires the unsullied. Uh, and in, in one of the three. most badass scenes in TV show history when she does the Dracarys and kills the slavers and frees the unsullied. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so, that's so good. Yeah. So, uh, and looking, honestly, like I remember, I, I know we visited this and I moved on, but I'm going to come back to the Red Wedding. I legit remember watching the Red Wedding episode and I, after it was done, I verbally was like, I don't know if I want to keep watching this show. Like I was so distraught I remember just, having to convince you. Yeah. I remember having to convince you, like, no, you have to you have to know what happens. You have to know if these people are going to be avenged. I was so distraught. I'm like, I don't even know if I want to finish this. So whew, talking about them having your uh, emotions, you know, on the edge of their the tip of their fingers, they definitely had it because that was that was down bad. But um yeah. Why this why is, is season three season uh, number four for you? Uh I, I really enjoy this season. Um I, I think that two and three were actually neck and neck for me as well. Um, they could have flip-flopped either way. Um, I, I I don't know why. It's behind because I think Blackwater is one of my favorite episodes uh, yeah. in this show. And I think, and it, I think I like Blackwater better than any episode that I have in, in three. Is Blackwater um, the highest rated Game of Thrones episode? It, I think it's up there um, for sure. This this season is fun for Arya running through the woods trying to escape with with Gendry, essentially traveling the wilderness of Westeros. Also, something you didn't mention that I I, I want to bring up is the John Egret storyline, which might be the best romance in in the mm. entire show. Um, but then the actors got together in real life. But I have uh, my Siri set as Irish solely because of that woman and her mm. voice. Um, <laughs> But I, I think she's a really good character. This is when John is trying to kind of is essentially working most with the wildlings, um, and 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 trying to kind of show that he cares. And he's her prisoner for a while, and then he's not, and it's kind of confusing. And um, we also get introduced to Tormund, um, who is freaking fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I really like this show, but I think uh, this season i should say but i I think that two just narrowly edges it out for me um david the final two why don't we both just say our favorites because i know that they're different okay yeah um and then we can talk about the others so you want to go first tell me your favorite season uh, of the show for me season six is just so fire dude you got despite you know, other reasons. You have Battle of the Bastards, which looking at this, uh, Hard Home, sorry, not Hard Home. Um, sorry, let me, I'm on my, I'm on IMDb referencing the 70,000 episodes. Blackwater, Battle of Blackwater is a 9.6, and like Reigns of Casimir, uh, Battle of the Bastards are 9.9s actually. So that, that is not the highest rated episode, but you have Battle of the Bastards in season six. Um, you have the Winds of Winter. That final episode is also a 9.9. Uh, back-to-back episodes there. That that's the best one. I think that's the get. best one-two punch of the of the show. Oh, so good, um, dude. Uh, it's you have John reuniting with Sansa, which feels like it'll never happen, and it's just so beautiful. And then you get the backstory Hodor. Uh, oh, that one's tough. Um, I actually forgot about that. That's kind of messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just 
There's so many. Uh, Arius gets your revenge on Walder Frey. Uh, Sansa, <laughs> Sansa feeds the hounds. Like, so good. And then at the very end, the season finale, one of my, my favorite season finales, all hell just breaks loose. And the High Septon is just blown up. Cersei is just... Everybody is. Essentially. Yeah, everybody's... And then... Uh, What's Cersei's? What's the what's the son's name? I always forget his name. Poor guy. Tommen. He t- Tommen takes over for Joffrey, and then you see him just walk out of the window. He just commits suicide. Like it's just mayhem. And it, I, I in the music, I, I will say specifically, I, I love the music in this final episode and the whole in this whole season. But that final episode, that music is so fire. Um, yeah. So yeah. I just love season six so much. It's it's absolutely gnarly how how good the one two punch at the end. I think this this is easily in the top half of the seasons just if those two episodes exist. I would say that this this season is the season of almost catharsis for a lot of the show because it's the season where you get to see Arya who has been training to be this killer returns kind of from her stint away from Westeros and gets her revenge, you know. And then you get Sansa getting her revenge as well. And Jon Snow and the Starks reclaim Winterfell for the first time. Um, But then they kind of of throw a curveball. You're feeling great about how the show's going. And then Cersei just eliminates all of her competition uh, in the south of Westeros. Uh, And it's just, I think it's just really good. Um, And and a kind of unsung, I guess, an unsung part of that um, would be Danny. Daenerys Targaryen winning over the Dothraki support as well mm-hmm. happens in this season. And she kind of, right. she, yeah. she gets captured by the calls and essentially is going to be tortured and eliminates all of them. Um, all the ones uh, that are trying to kill her and walks out uh, of their kind of grand tent, like wreathed in fire, but she is unharmed. Uh, it just shows her power as well. So, yeah, absolutely great season. I obviously have this in second place. David has it in first, but no qualms about picking season six, one of the best seasons of television of all time. I think I think this wasn't a red lo- wedding level, but it was similar when that scepter blows up because there were so many characters uh, in in that building that you're like, what? You know what I mean? So, it's again, it's like, where the heck are they going to go with this now that they just killed five major characters in the show, you know? So, yeah, so good. So good. One of okay, the, one of their so better curveballs of the uh, seven game series, uh, I will say they threw here. So, absolutely, I would agree. Um, all right, my favorite and, and David's second favorite, uh, season four. Uh, I think is up there with the West Wing season two for best episode, best season of a television show ever. Um, and let me tell you why. First of all, this is an action-packed season, um, but it has some of my favorite favorite arcs. First of all, Arya and the Hound is the best comedic duo, I think, in the show. Um, and this is the season that they are paired up together. And you kind of – the Hound has been this guy that has not necessarily been an outright villain, but a guy you definitely don't like. And this is where it starts to turn where you begin to like the Hound, who ends up being one of the most likable characters in the show. Um Joffrey gets killed. Let's, Joffrey gets killed. That's which just raises that. Yeah. Good enough. Yeah. Joffrey gets killed. It's so cathartic. Uh, it's so. It, it's like a cheerworthy moment. You're cheering for essentially a child's death. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I promise, if you watch the show, you just you know how much this kid sucks. And then my favorite part, I think, of the show, is the trial of Tyrion, because as soon as Joffrey's killed, they blame Tyrion for it. And you get the great speech where Tyrion says, I didn't kill Joffrey, but I wish that I had. Give you know, him the Peter, Emmy. Come Peter on. Dinklage was absolutely going nuts. Um, this is when you get Oberyn Martell as well, and you get the duel versus the mountain where you think Oberyn wins it, but he blows a 3-1 lead essentially, and, and the mountain comes back. Uh, this is the biggest battle at the wall to date as well uh, with Jon Snow facing off against the wildlings and it and another emotional moment happens in that episode as well 
I just think that this is just from top to bottom, all killer, no filler, absolutely action-packed stacked season that features my favorite character arc from my best character, and that is the trial of Tyrion. I think is the best character in the show, and absolutely love it. And he kills his dad, and his dad is a dick, and he should kill him. And he, he does. kills him while he's using he the restroom. He shoots awesome. him with a crossbow on the toilet. Come on, suck it. Yeah, that, this, Lannister. this episode is so good. I do see you. You are a little biased because your two favorite characters are are f- front and f- you know focused on this. Yeah, this is season. an Arya Tyrion season. But it's so, so good. You're right. It is so, so good. good. Uh, and it also has its heartbreaking moments of Oberyn Martell, um, you know, classic Game of Thrones fashion, getting uh, his eyes gouged out. Um, but and just skull bashed in. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, this is so good. I, like. Honestly, like with these one, two, and three rankings, you almost just want to go back and watch just those seasons separate by themselves. You know what I mean? And like, all right, I'm good now. The amount of times that I have on a whim seen a TikTok on Game of Thrones or been listening to the film score playlist that I have when I've been reading or something and heard Game of Thrones and gone, man, I should just rewatch the whole show. Uh, I'm going to. And I don't have... I don't have time. Well, you have a reason now because your wife has not seen it and she needs to because this should be mandatory viewing. So so show your wife the, the show. But All right. Wait, wait. Can you tell me what you just said before that? Why can't you rewatch Game of Thrones? Well, I'm saying that you have a specific reason. But you said you didn't watch. have time. Yeah, I don't. Bro, I don't. Okay. I don't have you, time. For, for all, not all now. Those, for everyone no, listening – for everyone listening, Nathan, I, I have proof here. Sources, material, right? He has seen, he has logged and seen 210 movies this year. 210. Okay, okay, okay. yes. But I have to, I want to keep watching movies at a regular pace. And Game That's of true. Thrones is not a show that you can just watch casually. Like, I feel like yeah. it would, I would not watch anything else. Um, maybe at yeah, the end of football fair. season. Hmm. You know, maybe, maybe when... Because right now, like I said at the top of the show, we're getting bombarded with content. We're going to have She-Hulk. We're going to have Andor. We're going to have this Game of Thrones prequel, The House of the Dragon. We're going to have the Rings of Power. And on top of that, oh, there's this little thing called the NFL (laughs) in which I will be watching football. And then there's college football. And then you're getting into it, and there's going to be new movies dropping. And i got to watch Avatar and the new Black Panther movie. And I'm going to still keep watching movies every day. So – Content-wise, I may be too stuffed to rewatch Game of Thrones right now. But depending on how this first season of this Game of Thrones prequel is, maybe I'll be like, oh, I got to dive back in. And after yeah. that finishes and, and after football season's over and there's kind of that lull between that and March Madness, uh, I, I'll kick back, relax, and, and turn on some Arya Stark murdering everybody in Westeros. Mm. No, I respect that. that. That's a good point. That's a good point. Hey, well, we got anything else for this? Or are we uh, kind of tying the bow to this, tying the bow to this whole return to Westeros talk? I think that everybody has pieced out that probably was planning on watching the show now, so this may fall on deaf ears, but I just want to say again, don't let the ending of this show scare you away from how great it was. Yeah. You know, um, because I promise you that First of all, you may not hate the end as much as everybody else because I know that a lot of people really hated the end and some of the hatred has been been softened at this point. Um, but, you know, at, like you said, like we both said, the best seasons of the show, we agree, are four and six. You know, we have them in different orders, but the middle season and one of one at the later end. So it's not like the show peaks early, super early. You, you know, you're watching the first six seasons of Game of Thrones. You're getting the best six seasons of of television maybe in a row arguably so i i would i would encourage people that have not watched it yet to give it a shot because it's really something special and i will i will say this because this is something that turns me off with the sex and nudity just get through it fast forward the scenes they're not important to the plot fast forward those scenes in seasons one and two uh once the show actually starts to get into development into what they're trying to get that does that does lessen. So if that's something that you just aren't, if, if that's a turnoff for you, like you just don't like seeing that, fast forward it. Because Nathan can att- attest to this. Like it's really not terribly important to the plot. It's there most of the time. No. Yeah. No. 
And so, you can even look up there's there's countless websites and guides that will tell you like you have to watch this scene, it's important, or this scene is not, or here's the gist of what happens. Um but I I, I will stick to my guns in saying that this is the in my opinion, second best TV show ever made for me. Um, and, you know, one to understand, to un- if you want to understand a moment in time um, and understand kind of where pop culture was between 2011 and 2019, you can't do that without having seen Game of Thrones. Yeah. You know, part of one, one piece is the MCU and right up with the MCU at that time was Game of Thrones. That's how important that show was. So give it a shot yeah yeah give it a shot it'll take some time take a lot of time uh maybe some brain cells and some tears but it'll be worth it i promise you that but um hey this has been episode 29 in our return to westeros thank you all very much for listening uh to what do you want to watch house of dragon premieres this sunday uh check it out i think you can watch this even if you haven't seen game of thrones prequel 200 years before um but again use your discretion up to you but uh hey thank you all for listening we will see you all next week Bye.